and welcome to Trashlight. I am one of your hosts, Colleen. And I am your other host, Rebecca. And here on Trashlight, we talk about the good, the bad, and the culturally relevant from Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga, chapter by chapter. Today we are talking about chapter 23 of Breaking Dawn. It's called Memories! Do, 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 do. <laughs> I just thought of that like five seconds ago. It does seem like I maybe had that planned, but that was an off-the-cuff joke. Um, I'm very proud of you. It was good. You. Thank you. I think I actually I'm certain it was too low, but that's fine. This chapter starts after any kind of fight that Bella and Jacob may have had, cowards, and we learn that Seth jumped in the way of Bella trying to attack Jacob and Bella in her rage accidentally broke part of Seth. I don't remember which part. It's a couple bones. Bella is very apologetic. Seth is like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Edward is apologetic to Seth, but does not think that Bella should be apologizing for her angry reaction to her the revelation that Jacob had imprinted on Renesmee. We get some, like, weird lore, I believe. Like, in this chapter, we get some, like, werewolf lore dumped. We get some kind of, like... It's it's a chapter full of like information that like Stephanie Meyer had to check off of a checklist to say at some point in this book so that the like we could keep moving. But it's an entire chapter of like that kind of thing, like Bella realizing how everything worked out with the werewolves, and then they've got everybody in the. Oh, sorry, I like totally lost my train of thought. So then Bella gets to see Renesmee again, and there's a lot of creepy baby stuff. And Jasper gets upset that Bella is Superwoman, and that's kind of it. Oh, it, the chapter ends with Alice presenting Bella with a birthday present. Yes. Once again, this chapter should have been significantly shorter and should have been smushed with the two in front of it. Yeah, and it's not going to get better with the one after this one. Like, nothing happens. No, nothing happens. There is no real conflict. So there is nothing really driving the story forwards. It's just info dump. And it's not good. It's become a bad slice of life anime. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's writing. Which means that you can't like fast forward or do anything. Or like read something else while the slice of life anime is on in the background. Right, and I want to go back to the beginning of the chapter, but while we're on the subject of just, like, how poorly this chapter is structured, one of the, like, info dump things we get in this chapter is that uh, because Jacob imprinted on Renesmee, there's, like, this huge rule that you can't attack someone that someone's imprinted on because of the collective pain, yada, 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 yada. So I wrote the phrase, creepy baby ex machina, so that there's yes. not actually conflict between the werewolves and the vampires, which means, and of course, Rebecca and I, and those of you listeners who have read this book or seen these movies knew this, that that's not the plot of Breaking Dawn. That's not the central conflict of Breaking Dawn. You would think, after all of the buildup of the, like, what are the werewolves and the vampires going to do when Bella turns, how are we going to interpret the treaty, that that would be the central conflict, but it's know. not. Certainly not. Which means we haven't, we mention one time in this chapter, the Volturi get name dropped once. And I'm sorry if it's a spoiler that they're the like big conflict impetus. Sorry. It's basically the first time in hundreds of pages they've even been mentioned. And they're mentioned so quickly it doesn't matter. But I was just like looking for crumbs of like 
conflict of like anything. Yes. Ah. Be- because nothing is driving this chapter forwards. Period. <sighs> at all. No. Um, and the fact that a lot of, because we are over halfway through the book at this point, and that at over halfway through the book that we are at, we don't have our central conflict laid out and established and built. It's, this is wrong. It's, this is not how you write a book. This is not how you tell a story. It's Twilight all over again. And by that I mean, like, specifically the first book. Yes, because we didn't get plot until the last, like, quarter of the book. Yeah, and the, I, I hesitate to use the phrase saving grace because Twilight was bad. Yeah. But kind of the saving grace with Twilight was that, like, there was... I, I'll put conflict in big air quotes around the, like, will they, won't they romance with Bella and Edward for a hot second. It wasn't yeah, good, had, and it didn't last long. You had the romance plot of, like, not just the will they, won't they, but how will they make it work. Yeah. Um, because there was still very much the will they, can they make this work. Yes. Um, as Bella figures out that he's a vampire. Um, yeah. And you don't have that here. Because part one of this book is marriage and sexy times. Part two of this book is conflict with werewolves and Obel is pregnant, but we don't get to be inside her head for that, which, again, bad choices. Um, And now that conflict with werewolves is gone. So we as readers are left very aimlessly in this portion of the book and trying to discover all of the differences, the nuances between being human and being a werewolf isn't enough to propel a story forwards. No. Those should be sprinkled around the plot and the driving conflict. Yeah, yeah. And I think you saying that made me think of this in a way that I hadn't necessarily thought about it before, which is that, like, I, I kind of spoiled it already, so I kind of broke our no-spoilers rule that, like, the Volturi are going to be significant in the actual conflict of this story. Yeah. I think that there is merit in connecting your past books and having like consistent world building and like fun callbacks to different things that happened and I feel like with this plot thread that's what Stephanie Meyer is gonna try to do and I don't know maybe 17 chapters like who the fuck knows because it was brought up in New Moon that the Volturi were gonna have to come back to check on Bella and then was like meant was part of the plot again in Eclipse But those little callbacks only work if they're second, like, your entire plot can't be, like, a cheeky callback. Like, did you remember? Do you remember? Like, no. Like, you're, that can't. of September. (laughs) Exactly, but that can't be, like, you can do that with little things. You can't do that with your entire plot. No, you can't. Ugh, you You simply can't. can't. Mm. Ugh. So, yes, this, these chapters are boring and they're difficult because there is no momentum yeah and with that we're gonna go now back to the start of the chapter (laughs) yeah um at which we were robbed yeah and i want to actually so i texted rebecca about this those of you discerning listeners who read my show notes first of all i'm so sorry (laughs) second of all you may have or may not have watched the clip that i linked in them last week that we were saying for fun like oh this this scene in the movie is so choice like we're gonna link it and i know that this podcast's goal is not to compare the book to the movie but but i'm gonna do it anyway Hmm? um but i watched that scene 
when I was finding the YouTube clip, right, to make sure that it had the you need to name my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster part in it. And it, it, that scene that we talked about at the end of last week and almost like a little bit going into the beginning of this chapter was done so much better in the movie than in the book that I feel irresponsible not talking about it now that I know that. She doesn't hurl slurs at Jacob. We actually get some physical fighting. Like, it's not an all-out fight, but as she's kind of chasing him outside, she's kind of, like, throwing him back. And they have just more dialogue that sounds like it's two human beings talking to each other and not two people just talking at. Like, you know, at the end of the last chapter, Jacob just said, like, two things and then, like, kind of just repeated them like a robot in the movie scene, I mean, it's still not great, but they have much more of an actual dialogue about it. Like, Jacob is actually responding to the things Bella says rather than just, like, reciting a litany of shit he had prepared for when she inevitably flipped out. Yeah. Um, and then you actually see the moment where Bella really lunges for Jacob and Seth jumps in the way and she whacks him and you see the, like, big animatronic, like, big... uh sfx wolf hit the tree and you hear this big crack and everyone goes like and then and then immediately in that moment bella says oh my god seth i'm so sorry and that kind of like you see her snap out of her rage in realizing that she hurt seth yeah which just work first of all like we still don't get a big knockdown drag out fight between bella and jacob which we were never going to unfortunately but which is robbery, just, let me restate. Which, we have robbery. been robbed. Uh, but it just, like, there is much more of an emotional impact in the fact that it is Seth that got hurt. Because the reason that it's Seth that got hurt, right, is to have an emotional impact. Because he's our beautiful ray of sunshine who can do no wrong. Yes. But if you don't actually see him get hurt, if all we get, which is all we do get at the beginning of this chapter, is him, like, smiling on a couch while Carlisle sets his bones... That emotional impact is totally lost because there was never a moment where we were like, is he going to be okay? Because of course he was going to be okay if he's like happily talking while a medical procedure is being done to him. Yep. 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 Whereas in the, in the movie, you actually like hear him crunch against a tree and you get like some amount of emotional impact. I don't know. It was just like so much better than the book that I felt like I had to talk about it. Yeah. And we get that, that playthrough. Which we don't hear, which is really unfortunate. It's truly a terrible time for a flash forward. Um, so we also, the chapter starts out with um, Bella feeling like she's overreacted to all of this and that she shouldn't have tried to fight Jacob, blah, blah, blah. Fighting Jacob is both her right and her privilege. Let, let, yeah. Let's just go on the record and say that. God damn, I wish we'd seen it played out in the text. Well, and I wrote that the only thing Bella needs to feel guilty about is the fact that she hurled a slur at Jacob. Like, everything else she's totally in the clear for. Yes, absolutely. Because Jacob 100% deserves the reaction that she gave him other than the racial slur. And then some other than the racial slur. Yes. Yeah, and it's, there is a, in this, within this, there is a moment where Stephanie Mara, and I'm trying to find the quote right now. I'm gonna have to cut all this out. Here it is. I got it. Um, 
Bella says, not that that best friend didn't have a few things to answer for, but obviously nothing Jacob had done could have mitigated my behavior. Now, there's a lot to unpack with that sentence, but what I'd like to talk about is the use of the word mitigate, because I don't think that's the word Stephanie Meyer thinks it is. No. No, I don't think it is. doesn't make any sense in that sentence. No. She wants warranted. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. It's a small thing, but it bothered me. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> these these things do happen. Oi. Oi. Are we on to the new fun vampire lore? Um, I think right before, or like during we get that, during when we get that, so right before we talk about it, I just want to mention that Leia is outside, very worried about Seth and very angry at Bella. And I just want to say that, like, as much as Jacob deserved to get thrown around, this is the first time textually that we have a reason for Leia to dislike Bella because she did accidentally or no hurt Leia's baby brother. And that is a reason to be mad at someone regardless of their reasons for, you know, accidentally breaking the spine of your baby brother or whatever bone it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but this is the first time that it's been reasonable. Yeah. Yep. Well, (sighs) Colleen, you don't get it. Women just can't like other women. Oh, Rebecca. What we have built up for over a decade now, this has all just been a lie. It's impossible. A... What's the end game of this? <laughs> what are we milking each other for? Gross! Oh, I hate that! Oh. I could have found a better verb, but I'm happy I didn't. <laughs> oh. Mm. That makes me but... uncomfy. I, this, the, yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, now let's talk about the lore, because there's much more to actually talk about there. Yes, yes. So we do get some new fun lore. Um, though some of it we do have to kind of dig into and scratch at the surface of. The first of which is the idea that has now been put forward that vampire venom is poison to werewolves, which we do need to say technically it is still venomous if it bites you and you die it is venom if you bite it and you die it's poison also a wild wild thing to drop in the middle of the last book what the hell also how on earth did all of the wolves survive the newborn attack every single one of them at the end of eclipse without us learning this Uh, they can't have they can't have like we need to Textually make sacrifices to support the things. Actions have consequences. Your literary decisions have consequences. Do I want the werewolves to die? No, absolutely not. But if you have this lore that vampire venom is poison of werewolves, you have to have some sort of vampire venom killing a werewolf. Yeah. Or even just, like, this would still be the coward's way out, but even, like, a situation at the end of the battle in Eclipse where, like, Carlisle was leaning over a werewolf really, like, you know, super, in it, like, super rushed, like, sucking poison, you know, sucking venom, excuse me, out of a wound and, like, like, like kind of in a callback to what Edward had to do to Bella in Twilight, almost. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Because not only would that have been, like, an interesting callback for Bella to see, like, someone else in that position... But then you also could have gotten away with establishing that lore without killing any of the werewolves, even though you could have killed, like, fucking Colin or whoever the fuck, like, the ones yeah, that we don't know. Colin? We've never met Colin. Um, 
Which I, I still would rather, like, for storytelling purposes, that perhaps one of the werewolves had actually died and there had actually been stakes to that fight in Eclipse. Again, yeah, it's about the emotional weight of it. Right. But if you wanted to be a coward, there was still a way to do it without just having Seth say it to us now. Yes. Yes. Oif. I agree. And we also learned that Renesmee doesn't have venom. Yes. So then, what keeps her immortal? Well, I guess technically at this point in the book, we don't know if she's going to be immortal or not. Oh, so she's... The possibility, there is a very real possibility that she's just going to die in four years because of her accelerated growth. That would be hilarious as hell. Obviously that's not going to happen, <laughs> but it would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> would it be? Like, because that's the logical conclusion to the Renesmee doesn't have venom problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. Is that Live she fast, die young. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Bad girls do it well, I guess. Oof. Yikes. Gross. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, oh, wild. The oh, other thing wild. that we... Oh, sorry. Go for it. No. I was gonna say, one of the other pieces of lore that we get... Um, we get confirmation that because Jacob gave permission for Bella to be turned into a werewolf or a vampire, fuck me, um, that Sam can't actually do anything about that. And then we also learn that Jacob and Sam have learned that if they both phase as two alphas, they can talk to each other. Not they, They're not in each other's thoughts, but they can talk kind of like having a conversation. And this piece of lore I will give happening at this point because... This seems like the first time in Stephanie Meyer's Quileute history, which as we've extensively discussed is not real Quileute history, um, that there have been two alphas. So yeah. it does make sense that, that this would be a piece of lore that everyone was discovering around this time. Yeah, and it, I mean, it does also feel very like, oh, hand wavy, must fix immediately. Mm -hmm. I have found a plot hole, let me just fix my plot hole. Ta-da, I did it. But you're very right in that the timing of it is much better than a lot of the other things. Yeah. It's the it's the bad version of the 30 endings to Lord of the Rings, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of the, like, we have to tie this up with a bow, and then we have to tie this up with a bow. And you thought we had tied this one up with a bow, but just kidding. But we're then back. we didn't. And if you read the book, it keeps going. Yeah, well, yeah, because we don't even have the part where Merry and Pippin are full-sized, like, humans, and they come back to the Shire, and, like, shit not, is not done not full -size yet. full-sized humans. They're just, like, a few inches taller. They're tall. Yeah, they're taller. And they come back to the Shire, but, like, shit is fucked in the Shire. It's, like, not happy. It's like, yeah, oh. Yeah, because... Fucking Saruman doesn't die at the end of, or at the beginning right. of Return of the King in the books. Right. Which is halfway through the two towers in the books. Right. Well, I say right all of this time. I haven't read those books. Really? Yeah, I got, so I read The Hobbit as a kid and I really liked The Hobbit. The Hobbit is the best of the books, I will say. Um, and then as like a teenager, maybe like in high school at some point, mm -hmm. I think it was pre-college, I got through all of Fellowship of the Ring by the grace of God. <laughs> but it was so boring <laughs> that I was like, I'm not making myself. Hey, this is another hot fan hot sci-fi fantasy book takes with Colleen. Um, I'm just like saying every classic is bad and boring on this podcast, I guess. I just like, my, well, we, we don't have to talk about Lord of the Rings right now, but in the 
the short version is, is that in the lead up to what is my favorite scene in Fellowship of the Ring, there were four pages of like dense single space text, not describing a forest, but describing a tree, not describing an ant, but describing a tree. Yeah. And I was like, I can't like, I've lost all of my excitement for the plot that's going to happen because I don't even remember the characters' names. I've been like glassed over, like learning about the history of the bark of this tree for so fucking long. And maybe that's an exaggeration. You've also got to sit through like all of Tom Bombadil and the Fellowship and that's too much. Tom Bombadil didn't bother me as much as the fact that just the writing style of those books is written like a history textbook. And I don't want to read a history textbook in my free time. Especially... Especially when the movies exist and are very good. The, the movies, I will say, are better and more accessibly enjoyable. Um, yeah. So. But yes. We got very off topic. But we did. That's, that's my hot take, of the, hot take of the week. The Lord <laughs> of the Rings books are boring and the movies are better. Uh, yes. Uh, it's like when you hear a song and you're like, that's a good song. I wish someone else was singing it. That's how I feel about the story of the Lord of the Rings. It's like, that's oh. a great story. I wish it was presented differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> yes. Hey, anyway. I have, I have a note. One of my notes is just gross in all caps. And I don't remember what I was referring to. Is it about Renesmee? Um, I do have creepy baby written in all caps. Mm. And that's definitely about Renesmee. <laughs> So I don't know what your gross stuff is about, but before we get to where Renesmee is, is it because Renesmee oh, was described as... It's because Renesmee thinks of Jacob as hers. Yeah, oh, that is gross. I was going to ask if it was because Renesmee is described as beautiful and impatient, which, first of all, it me, but also <laughs> a terrible way to describe a baby. Yes, truly. Also, like, the descriptions of this baby, how she's like, oh, it's only been an hour, but she's, like, bigger, and no human eyes would be able to tell this. Because of, like, certain, like, degrees of circleage of her face. And I'm like, buddy, if she's bigger in an hour, a human eye could tell it. Right. Also, we're, like, veering distressingly close to phrenology? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. Um, two, uh, Two quick things before we get to Renesmee. Bella spends like half a page in this chapter thinking about what she's going to do about Charlie now knowing that she has more control than anyone expected her to, which if we're not going to have plot, I kind of wish that we had spent more time exploring that because that is interesting and complicated, but we didn't. Well, yeah, she almost sets up Charlie as like the conflict of the next, of this chapter and of the next few and then doesn't. And then doesn't, which is so frustrating. Yes. Stop edging me, Stephanie Meyer. Gross! I couldn't even get through this sentence without breaking. <laughs> um, and the other thing that she says when, because they're thinking about moving away, is she, she says she was, quote, thinking about all the people she was going to miss. And I wrote, who the fuck are you going to miss in Forks? You don't have any friends. Nobody. Yeah, like, you don't like anyone in Forks. What are we doing, folks? Oh, um, goodness. But now, now, yes, we are to horrifyingly gross Renesmee. Yes. Who is, like, through her mind, telling Bella everything that she did that day. Which is creepy. Uh, and is still a baby. Yeah. And shouldn't be having this level of, like, coherency of thought. I mean, I don't really know, like, the rate at which babies' brains progress at all. Let me just say that for certain but this is this is creepy. It's creepy and like 
there's a there's a spot in where Renesmee is showing Bella her memories where she's showing the fight that Bella and Jacob had and it says that she smiled as they saw Seth's bones crack and I was like that's fucking terrifying yeah right baby craves violence (laughs) that baby woke up today and chose violence yes I also do think it is savage that she chose to show Bella the memory of her just wrecking Jacob or trying to yeah it absolutely is Yes. And then within all of this, my biggest question is why can't we have a conversation between Rosalie and Bella? Like, why haven't these two women talked to each other yet? Like, what's, what's going on? Please. It's uh, what, we, what we need. There, because there is so much sort of unresolved here. Um, because they were on the same side for so long. And they were some of the only people on the same side for so long. Yeah. It's... And now Rosalie just gets to bicker with Jacob in the background. Right. And hold a baby. And hold a baby. All women do is bicker with men in the background and hold babies. And hold babies. Which is just so, like, it is consistent with Rosalie's character that she is protective of Renesmee, but it's not consistent with Rosalie's character that she would be, like, fine with the role that she has been placed in currently. No. Certainly not. Yeah. There's also a line in here as Jacob is, like, sniping at Carlisle as Carlisle is trying to, like, first of all, take data on the baby without writing any of it down. Sir? Just, it's not science if you don't write it down, goddammit. Write it down. And one of, uh, the quote that I wrote down was that Bella said it felt like, like Jacob was stealing my lines and delivering them all wrong. Which, it, within the context of the book, has some really unsettling implications about the way, the relationship that Jacob and Renesmee have, right? That's yeah, horrifying. Yeah. But as a piece of writing on its own, I actually really liked that metaphor. Like, like Jacob was stealing my lines and delivering them all wrong. Like, it did capture a very specific feeling of, like, I feel like I'm the one that's supposed to be saying this and have ownership over this. And the way that you have ownership over this is, like, not the way that I would. And so it feels, like, uncanny valley to me and, like, uncomfortable and I don't like it. Yeah. Like, that phrase really captured that feeling super well. And it, like surprised me how much I liked it as a literary phrase, not as, like, a thing that was happening in the book. Yeah. She also, some of the lore that we get, and this is a little later in the chapter, so we're skipping forward a hair, is that the idea that vampires sit out of habit, and I love that idea, that they do, we spoke about this briefly a few chapters ago, that some of their more human mannerisms they have to relearn again and that's just fascinating so it's not not a cool literary phrase but again there are neat things that stephanie meyer is doing with the lore here yeah and i will say that that is one area not to like harp on the movie again but my memory from like two or three years ago when we watched all four of those movies or five of them was that that was like very compelling visually to have Bella not know how to move. Like, the movement of the vampires in the movies always looked bad and absurd. Yes, yes. But the, like, if you just accept that, like, that's bad, having Bella as a character only do these weird jerky movements was, like, told a very visually compelling story as well, as, like, all of the other ones were explained, like, you know, that she had to learn to kind of, like, intentionally slow herself down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... No, I do think that that is something that has been done well in this. 
And then we get Jasper's little freak out because men can't handle it when women are better at things than them. At um, least it's accurate to life. It is quite accurate to life, but God, why why are men? I have no time for any white boy's emotional needs other oh. than the one that I live with. No. <laughs> I realized I needed to, I probably should have time for one. He, yes, I'm sure he would appreciate that. I simply have no time or fucks to give about Jasper's inner demons. Yeah. He was a confederate. Like, go fuck yourself. Yike. If your inner demons aren't I fought on the wrong side of the Civil War, then I don't care where your inner demons are. (laughs) Yes, and those are not inner demons that we've seen from Jasper so far. So these demons, not valid. No, your demons are not valid. (laughs) So, you know... (laughs) upside at least Bella's giving him this vibe check (laughs) your vibes are bad (laughs) it is also I mean oh go ahead no I just I think that's funny it is funny (laughs) well and it's interesting because Edward says something like or or I think it was it's either Edward or Carlos says something like Jasper had kind of internalized this idea that like everyone had it this hard and if it turns out that if you have the right preparation, you don't have it this hard. And if he had just been holding himself to a higher standard, he would have been doing better. That that, like, threw him into a crisis and he couldn't handle it is also, like, a very interesting, and again, not what Stephanie Meyer intended, commentary on, like, white men as normal and everything not white male, like, abnormal in some way. And, like, learning that, like, you aren't the center of the universe, to, like, put it a little crassly, and that your experiences are not universal, to quote Kimmy Schmidt, Unbreakable Those Kimmy were, Schmidt. I was literally just about to say your experiences are not universal. Is <laughs> like, yeah, is interesting. Which yeah. then leads them into a discussion of, well, maybe this is Bella's power. Is this like super duper self-control? Which we've talked about this on the podcast. In order for her power to have been this super duper self-control, she would have had to have like vestiges of it as a human. Um, which she does that, and she doesn't. It's it's not a gift, buddy. It's just bad writing. And within the same paragraphs that they talk about that, Bella talks about how she has noticed that her personality is exactly the same. That like she was worried that she was going to be this like bloodlusting freak, but that you know she's not braver or anything now that she's a vampire. Her personality is exactly the same, which kind of just reinforces how bad of an idea it is that her power would be super self control. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And then they talk about some crazy Irish people, and I don't care because they've never been mentioned before. Yes. Yep. Yep. Do you know how to pronounce that name, though? Because this is always a fun Irish game for me. Siobhan? Siobhan, yeah. 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 But the, the fun the fun spelling ones, sometimes it is. It is amusing for me personally to hear people try to say them. Yeah. Like, Saoirse yeah. Ronan. For those of you who gave a shit... It's Saoirse. That's how you say that name. It's not Saoirse. It's Saoirse. Saoirse. Yes. Saoirse, Saoirse. I think it probably just depends on... She pronounces it She pronounces it Saoirse, so hers would be Saoirse. Yes. Um, But yes, I have fun with uh, unintelligibly spelled Irish names. Yes. Yes. And then... Uh, Oh, question. My uh last note. Uh, I only have one more note for the chapter, other than we're going to talk about the gift idea um yeah, oh Jesus. uh no i have more to say about 
gifts on the next chapter. We'll talk more about the gifts on the next chapter. That'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but my last note is, what the fuck happened to Dartmouth? This is our info dump chapter, and it's Bella's birthday, September 13th. That's, like, after the start of a term for a semester in college, and they're just, like, not there. I definitely, at some point in time in college, had exams by September 13th. So I never did, but I believe I believe that it was a thing that happened. I'm, it's probably me being a sad stem bitch. Um, I was about to say, I also basically never took classes. First of all, I have a math degree. Eat me. Well, Second of all, yes, I never took... Like, my inter-level bio and chem classes were like, you're going to have four exams, then you're going to have a final, and you're going to like it. Yeah, I don't think I ever took a class that had a midterm. Or if it did, it was, what? like, actually in the middle of the semester. God, no. wild. Midterm season never made any sense to me because it, like, I don't know. I just, even the math classes, like, we didn't really have, like, we had a homework assignments and stuff. We didn't really have, like, if I'm remembering correctly, we had, like, homework assignments and, like, in some of the higher level ones, projects. But we didn't have, like, it wasn't like high school where we had, like, tests to check knowledge. It was, like do the homework, do the slightly larger assignment. Maybe maybe what the math professors called, like, bigger assignments two or three times a year are equivalent to the tests that you took two or three times a semester before the final. They just were called yeah. something different. And then we took the like, final. My midterm season would start in mid-September, and it would end two weeks before finals. Um, and then I had finals. See, and maybe, you know, now that you're saying it like that, I might have had midterms. I think that I just never fucked with the idea of a midterm season because it was so spread out. And at that point, I was like, it's not midterm season. This is just my entire semester every semester. So why yes. would I call it midterm yeah. season? I think now that we're talking well, some, about it again, I think were that's much worse than others. I will say. Right. But that's, a, again, to me, that was a bad week. That wasn't like, oh, midterm season. Oh. That would be me, like me saying, yeah. oh, fall yeah. really sucks this week. It's like if midterm season <laughs> is the whole semester, then it's not midterm season anymore. It's just the semester. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that was probably why. Plus, I was in classes where like I wasn't exclusively in classes that were test based. So, yeah, I was almost exclusively minus all my history classes in classes that were test based. College is bad. Don't go, kids. <laughs> do what's best for you children yeah if anyone who listens to this podcast has enough money to go to college right now though like fucking mail me i'll tell you my venmo like give me money yeah, for right? listening to this podcast jesus please please <laughs> and thank you <sighs> oh man yep my oh my last note on this chapter is that when they describe the people coming back from hunting they describe them all, like, beautifully jumping over the river and then Emmett running through it so hard that he splashes the house, which is hilarious. Yes. That's it. Yep, 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 yep. Oh. Well, if you want to talk to us about uh, my really hot takes on seminal fantasy and sci-fi works or also <laughs> whether or not you should go to college... Um, <laughs> or if you want to fight me on whether or not there is a midterm season or if it's just the semester uh you can talk about all of those things at our email trashdelight at gmail.com uh you can text me if you're you know my parents and are gonna have opinions about what i've said um <laughs> you can find us on the social medias honestly i'd rather my dad text me about lord of the rings and like put the trashlight twitter on blast so you know um he'll get a response faster that way anyway true you can find us facebook twitter instagram we're at trashlight 
Tumblr, trashlight-podcast.tumblr.com. We have a website, trashlight.simplecast.fm. And, you know, if you've got my phone number and you have opinions on the, the like, flaming hot <laughs> Cheetos takes I have laid down tonight, please uh, bully, cyber bully me about it. <laughs> um, and on that note... <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>